Hello and welcome to the Elevate Your Running podcast with your hosts, myself, Austin Myers, and my partner, Sarah Manderscheid. We are here for episode number five, and we are really excited to be back in Colorado recording this episode after our trip to Mesa, Arizona for the Mesa Marathon last weekend. Sarah, how are you doing? Hey, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Um, I'm doing great. How are you, Austin? I'm doing really well. It it feels great to be back um, and to be settled again. I felt like I had a a travel hangover for a few days after our our trip, and it was such an easy trip, too. Like, I mean, granted, we had some issues, but um, (laughs) it's only like a two-hour flight, so I'm just really bad with travel. Well, we definitely had a lot of travel hiccups on Thursday and on Sunday. Um, I can't speak for you and Abby, but I was definitely a Krabby Patty and at DIA on on Sunday when you know our travel day was extended uh, by several hours. So. Well, we were all sleep deprived, and and you all had run some big races, so we're back to normal, better than ever. Yeah. Um, excited to get started. Let's um, start where we always do with each episode with our elevated moment. Sarah, do you want to get us started with your elevated moment from this past week? Yes. Um, I just love starting not only this podcast with an elevated moment, but I start every day thinking about what I'm grateful for, things that you know I get to celebrate, um, and also things that I get to work on. But my elevated moment for this week is really just diving into actually the topic of our podcast today, which is all about recovery and really leaning into the recovery that I get to do over these next few weeks um, versus just trying to go back and like hit training hard and do all the things. Um, People who know me know that I love running. Um, It's part of the reason why I'm a coach, but I just love training. I love daily runs. If I could run seven days a week, throw in some doubles, like I'm just such a happy human. And it brings me so much joy. Um, So these next few weeks, we're dialing things back quite a bit. And the sole focus is showing up as strong as possible for my fall marathon. And that starts today. It started actually on Saturday um, with the recovery and the rest that I get to do to show up as my strongest self this fall. And um, it's just really hard for me to dial things back. So I ran last night with my team. A little over three miles. My legs felt amazing. Um, but I'm leaning into cross training right now. I'm going to be doing um, some yoga, Pilates, snowshoeing, playing with my dog, walking and hiking with my dog, Kenzie, over these next few weeks. And um, I'm just really excited because I think it's going to be exactly what my mind and body need. And it's something that we get to talk in more detail about in this podcast. So, Austin, I'd love to hear. What is your elevated moment or moments from the week? Yeah, well, first of all, because our topic of the day is recovery, um, I will say I do love that you are talking about, you know, your prep for um, the Chicago Marathon in the fall, beginning with recovery. I think that's something that we can build on later is the importance of viewing, viewing recovery as something that you need to lead with as opposed to something Um, that you only need to implement when your body really needs it. Um, With my elevated moment, I actually want to discuss kind of the outreach that we've had over the past week, uh, primarily through social media on this podcast. It's been so amazing to hear from people um, sending DMs, sharing the episodes that they listen to, um, and just telling us the value that they've gained from our first four episodes um, and, and sending us appreciation for, you know, putting this podcast together, recording this podcast. And I will say like, that makes my day every time I see it. Um, just the fact that we get to talk about topics that we enjoy that are such a large part of our life. And, you know, hopefully we can make that something that provides benefit to our listeners. And I think something that we really want to do with this podcast is build a community and community is so huge, especially in the sport of running. Um, So to see people not only listening to the podcast, but gaining value from it and sharing that value with us 
it's truly made my day every single time I've gotten to see some of those messages. And I definitely, um, when I get those messages, like I want to, I want to hear more about the stories of the people who are reaching out. So um, definitely don't hesitate to share. Um, we're so proud to be able to build this community. And in doing that, I know we want to um, have you all send us your elevated moments each week, uh, the same way that we share them on this podcast. So definitely send us your wins, your elevated moments, and we will begin to celebrate your elevated moments if you tell us um, that you can or that we can uh, share those on the podcast. So you can send those elevated moments to elevate your running podcast at gmail.com. And I will put that in the show notes so you can see that email and feel free to send us that. You can also send it on social media to myself or to Sarah. And if you tell us that we can share it, we would be happy to share that um, on the podcast so that we can all celebrate those elevated moments. I love that, Austin. I think that's such a great elevated moment. And um, I know we talked about offline earlier this week, how much joy this podcast is bringing us and how much fun we've, we're having. And I think, and I hope our listeners are also feeling that energy and feeling that fun. And we get to kind of dive into to real life and how we're feeling and how we're doing and, um, and be in it together. And it's super exciting to see uh, the hype around it. Um, how many people are appreciating the messages and everything that we've, you know, discussed over these last four episodes. And, you know, as soon as I get um, the Instagram DMs have been awesome. And especially when we were in Mesa, anytime I would get a message, I would like share it with Austin. Um, just, Hey, guess what this person said? And it just makes us feel so good. Um, we're feeling seen, we're feeling heard. And I think ultimately as humans, we all want to feel that way and it feels really good. So thank you so much for all the positive um, feedback and um, we're just excited to see where we take this uh, for the next few years or few months or decades, who knows? <laughs> However long, we're taking it week by week right, right. now um, <laughs> and we're, we're so happy to do it. But let's get started yeah. with our topic of the day. Yeah. Uh, we want to talk about recovery rest, the importance of that in our training, because I'm sure um, as athletes, and honestly, just as people who live in this world that can be really stressful at times, we have all experienced the feeling of just being run down. Um, and I think that, you know, the questions that we want to answer are, how can we avoid that feeling? How can we be proactive, as opposed to being reactive? Um, because I know for me, like training is it comes relatively easily um there's you know not great resistance to getting out there to run for me i enjoy it so much um but i absolutely hate the feeling of of feeling like i can't do that and i think that when we overwork and we neglect recovery or rest maybe we're not getting high quality sleep um that that quickly sets in and it really affects our performance it affects our mood and when it does that, we can't show up in other areas of our life, uh, much less the physical aspects. So let's talk about rest and recovery a little bit. Sarah, I want to let you get started on this topic um, because you have, you know, obviously a little bit more coaching experience than I do. Um, I'm just kind of now getting into the run coaching field. So you can talk about it from that perspective. And you can also um, certainly talk about it from the perspective that you're experiencing now um, in your marathon recovery. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many ways to look at rest and recovery. You can look at it, you know, after a hard track workout, right? Like what should you be doing right after a really hard workout, or maybe it's a long run with goal pace work in it to set yourself up to not only recover, but show up feeling good, ready to go for the next day. You can look at it in a series of, you know, a training block. What is a training block? It's a two, three week block of specific workouts, specific mileage, um, taking you to that next level in your training. Usually after a two or three week block, or at least this is how I coach, I will give my athletes a recovery week. So a full week of recovery. What does that look like? They're still training, let's say for a BQ. 
or for a strong marathon performance. So we don't actually just, we don't stop running. We just reduce intensity, uh, reduce mileage. And then we also work on some other things that I'll get into. Um, and then there's also like what happens after a race, right? Like I touched on that recovery started at 9:45 AM Saturday, uh, last Saturday, February 12th. Um, as I was drinking water, when I crossed the finish line, like that's when recovery started for me. So let's back up. Let's talk about what you can do after a workout. Right. Um, and actually I'm going to back up a little bit more rest and recovery, super, super beneficial for every single human on this planet. If you're an athlete, if you're not an athlete, like you have to rest and recharge your batteries. Um, I think I talked about this in an earlier podcast where when I was in my twenties, early thirties, like I was like the energizer bunny and I literally would not stop. And I think, you know, as we age, we get to honor our bodies, honor ourselves and do more of the rest and recovery to show up stronger the next day or for other things in our life. Um, so it's very, very important if you continuously go or you are continuously working hard, hitting higher mileage, not taking the time to honor your body when you're tired or you're stressed or things are coming in um, from all sides of life. If your job is demanding, if you're running high mileage, if you're running higher intensity workouts, maybe you're running more miles at intensity than you should. There's two things that will happen. You're either going to get burnt out or you're going to get injured, right? So those are two things as a coach, I don't want to see any of my athletes get into. It's also from like a human perspective, like I don't want to see anyone go through that. I went through a very tough time in the summer of 2020. So it was basically right at the start of the pandemic. So spring into summer and my body was shutting down and I didn't really know what was going on. And there were a lot of other things going into it that maybe we could talk about it on another podcast, but basically what it came down to is proper recovery and then also fueling your body in those recovery days, weeks, um, hours to set yourself up for success. So after a workout, let's say you just run, you know, a really hard track workout on a Tuesday or some really high, like some really great threshold or tempo pace on a, on a Thursday, you have some goal pace in a marathon on a weekend, um, goal pace, marathon, marathon goal pace, sorry. Um, in a long run on a weekend, you need to recover, like, you know, really as you're in the cool down phase of that workout, right? Hydrating is huge. It's a huge component to recovery, making sure that your body is getting enough fluids and enough electrolytes. So what does that look like? If you're running at altitude, if you're training at altitude, it's going to look slightly different from athletes who are training at sea level. But you also get to take into account if you're running in heat. I have a lot of athletes who live in Texas. It's hot most of the year. Um, so they also get to kind of lean into if they were, you know, training at altitude. It's kind of similar uh, heat training, altitude training very similar. So you want to make sure you're getting enough um, liquids, enough electrolytes. What does that look like? Everyone's going to be slightly different, but my recommendation is around hundred ounces of water um, with some electrolytes in your water um, every single day. If you're finishing a hard track workout in the winter, um, even in this, definitely in the summer, like having a water bottle with you, maybe having like I did this for our summer training group last summer. I'd bring a cooler. I'd bring my, uh, my pink Yeti cooler to practice. And we would have like, you know, LaCroix bubbly water after our practice, but you could also put in your, you know, maybe you have like a little handheld cooler that you're bringing with you to the track, like coconut water. Um, maybe it's water with noon tablets or electrolyte tablets. Like I've been uh, showing this quite a bit on social media lately. Like my happy hour when I'm in training is some sparkling water with a noon tablet and it tastes delicious. Watermelon flavor is my favorite. And it's such a nice way to just like top off like the electrolytes and the hydration that your body needs, um, especially when you're in recovery mode, taper mode, um, or after a hard workout. So 
first and foremost, fluids. You definitely also want to make sure that you're eating enough. Um, nutrition is such a big component to training, not only training well and training hard and like hitting your workouts, you know, really well, but also in the recovery aspect. So really try and focus on getting in fuel in your body, carbohydrates, protein, maybe a little bit of fat. Um, I like the two to one ratio of carbs to protein, you know, in that 30 minute window, especially after a hard workout, that's like the critical moment. And I will totally eat before I take a shower. Like to me, that makes like taking a shower first makes no sense in the recovery aspect of things. Like when you finish a hard workout, especially like, let's say you're traveling to the track, you're driving to the track, or I'm pretty um, well known for, for driving around for my long runs and changing up the scenery. Like I always have food with me in the car. So don't um, let you know, maybe a distance or traveling to your destination, get in your way, pack at least even a snack with you. What does that look like? It could be chocolate milk, um, a piece of fruit, an RX bar um, paired with, well, chocolate milk has protein and carbs in it. So it's actually like a really great recovery drink. Um, but you could also bring like a protein drink again, pack your little cooler, set yourself up for success. So you're feeling really strong and capable. And what you're going to also notice is if you fuel yourself quickly after a really hard workout, you're not, or you have less of a chance of hitting that afternoon slump that if you've been in a hard training cycle, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's that two to three o'clock window in the afternoon where all you want to do is like lay on the couch and sleep and like not do anything. Um, so setting yourself up for sex, for success is super important there. Um, but then also like leaning into other tools that you have, and this kind of goes into, you can also do this after a hard training block or after a race. Like I'm a big believer in Epsom salt baths. I love them. And just soaking for 20 minutes after you fuel your body, after you hydrate your body, just taking 20 minutes. And I saw this, um, from, I think it was Sarah Bond's account. Um, cause she's like, you know, a mega runner, right? Like she, she won at the CIM race, um, in December, she lives in Boulder. She's a mom, she's a wife. She is, she works full time and she's a total badass. And I saw on her Instagram, like she still takes time for recovery and she multitasks. So she might be taking an Epsom salt bath and she has her computer there and she's sending emails. She's writing contracts. She's responding to emails, like doing all the things. So like make it work for you. I'm a big believer in like the both and. So we get to do both and be successful. You get to take an Epsom salt bath and you get to catch up on emails or catch up with your family, make a phone call, um, whatever that is, I guess, make it appropriate for the person you're talking to if you're taking a bath, but you know what I'm saying? Like you get to be successful with what you're doing. So I love the Epsom salts. Um, you know, I have an RA uh, roll recovery roller. It's phenomenal. If anyone's looking for like a deep tissue massage, um, and they don't want a Theragun or they have a Theragun, like, um, the roll recovery is awesome. And that's a really great way to loosen up your muscles. Foam rolling is also great. Um, stretching yoga. Um, you know, I prescribe 10 minutes of yoga, um, to my athletes on very specific days, which usually are on hard effort days. Um, so those are all things that you can do after a workout, even taking five to 10 minutes to meditate. Why not relax your mind, which is also part of the recovery process. It's not just your body. Um, so after a training block, let's lean into this. A training block can be two to three weeks, like I mentioned, and then you have a full week of recovery and that can look like reduced miles. So maybe if you're running a 60 minute or, or 75 minute effort, it's reduced down to like 45 or 60 minutes. And it's across the board for the entire week. You might still have speed work, but it's going to be lower in intensity. You might not have speed work and you might just have more strides. Um, whether it's flat strides or hill strides in your workout, you might have an endurance, like 
um, I love prescribing this type of workout to an athlete in recovery where maybe it's a 60 minute effort. They're taking the first half at easy pace and then they can go up to goal pace in the last 30 minutes lead like as a progressive effort. So they might just start ticking off the time with each mile, which in a 60 minute effort, if you're doing that for 30 minutes, you might be getting in four miles and it's a really nice slow progression, which works your body. It keeps your legs fresh, but it also works the progressive side of workouts. And if you can get in my mind, if you can get into that progressive side and can learn how to run negative splits, it's a beautiful thing that you get to implement in racing. Um, so those are all great things to do um, in a training block, right? So you're reducing intensity, you're reducing mileage, and you get to do all the things that we talked about that you do after a hard workout. Now, if you're not running as much after a training or in a training block with a recovery week, like you have extra time too to meal prep, to set yourself up for success with um, sleep, which is a huge tool that we get to use as runners. Like sleep is the number one recovery tool. And it's great after, you know, a hard workout or if you have a big uh, week and you're in a recovery week, it's super beneficial when you're in a taper and you're recovering from a hard effort race. Um, so sleeping is super great. And we can talk about, um, we'll talk about that in more detail here shortly, but, um, those are all things that you can set yourself up for success in a training block. And maybe you also have time to get a soft tissue massage, right? Those are the best. I just got mine yesterday after Mesa. So six days later, and it was something that I was looking forward to as soon as I crossed the finish line. And I'm so glad I waited six days because your body is at least my body's super inflamed and it's tired. It hurts. And to go into a soft tissue massage right away is like the worst thing you can do. Letting your body rest, recover, um, take the time to heal. And even yesterday she said, so I had this done on Thursday. She said, I can definitely tell your, your muscles are tired, but they responded well, um, to the treatment, which is exactly what I wanted to hear. So that felt really good. Um, so those are all things you can do. And now after a race, I mentioned this earlier as my elevated moment, after a race, your recovery starts as you're crossing that finish line, right? They had cold towels for us at the finish line, which were amazing. They had chocolate milk and water. And I took that all in. And if you saw in my stories, I was eating potato chips, which is something I don't do. I can't even remember the last time I ate a potato chip. So um, it just goes to show like how warm it was and how, how much I needed the salt in that moment. Um, but then once we got back to our Airbnb, it was resting, trying to eat and put some fuel in my body, which is always hard after a, uh, long effort like the marathon. And then when you add heat to it, it's, it's really, really tough. So what do you do in that situation? Smoothies are a super great recovery method um, to get the calories in to start repairing your muscles. Um, as you want to repair your muscles as quickly as possible, whether it's after a hard workout, whether you're in recovery week, whether you just ran a really hard race, you want to start that process immediately. Um, so doing that, taking a shower, taking a bath, we went out to celebrate after um, Mesa, which was awesome. And then also getting enough sleep. And, um, you know, we stopped at the store too. I want to say mid afternoon because I was severely dehydrated. So we stopped at the store and we picked up um, vitamin waters and Gatorades and waters. And it was my job on Saturday to drink as much as I could drink to regulate my system and, you know, make sure I was just doing everything I could do to make my body stronger. Um, because like I said, these next few weeks after a race, for me, it's to show up as strong as possible for my fall marathon, which is Chicago. Um, and that starts now. It could be that maybe you want to run a longer distance in a year. It's okay. Your recovery starts now. Um, so you can do all the things I mentioned, the Epsom salt baths, the massage, hydrating, eating well. And then let's take a step into the mental side of things. Mental recovery 
I would say more so after a race is super huge. Yes, your recovery week, you can also take some time to, to mentally recover, but it's been my experience as an athlete and as a coach, your mind is still programmed into that race, right? You're still like doing what you can do to be in race mode for that race. So after a race, taking the time mentally, to just pull it back. So for me, that looks like filling my cup with other things outside of running. I get to spend more time walking my dog, which I love walking and taking walks. So that's a great win. Um, I'm scheduling time with friends and I hesitated saying scheduling time with friends. I think that's so interesting and it's a totally different topic we can talk about another day, but like scheduling time with people and I think it just shows how busy our lives are, but scheduling time with friends um, this weekend I'm going snowshoeing and that's going to feel good. So leading into like the cross training, I'll be taking, um, I signed up for some core power, like hot yoga classes over these next few weeks, um, to really lean into the muscles and just getting them loose and making them feel strong. I'll be continuing Pilates, which is also just filling my cup so much and doing things that kind of take my mind off of the intensity of focusing in on a strong effort for a race. Um, so those are all things and ways that we can recover. And Austin, like, do you want to, is there anything that you want to add before we kind of dive into a few points about sleep and why it's so important? Yeah, I definitely do want to add a few things. I was, I was taking notes and jotting some things down as you were talking. Um, and I just kind of want to bring some of it together. The number one thing that I heard you mentioning and really emphasizing as you were going through some some key things that we can do for recovery is preparation. It, it really all starts there. Um, we have to be prepared. And I think we all know the quote uh, that failure to prepare is preparing to fail. And ultimately, yeah. it's, it's true. Um, we have to be prepared. We can't travel to... Um, a workout without some way, you know, to fuel ourselves after the workout. Like we don't want to go um, hours after a workout without putting anything in. We're going to feel that. Like you said, we're going to feel it later on in the day. Um, we're going to really be dragging. And, and with preparation, it has to become habitual. Like make these practices and habits that you are doing every day. You're preparing your lunch to go to work. You, you meal prep. Um, you are creating a nighttime routine so that you're going to bed at the same time. A morning routine so that when you wake up, you're doing the same things every day. That is going to influence the ease of, of having these practices in place and performing them on a consistent basis. But it's also going to make it honestly more enjoyable. The more that I have made something a habit and the more that it just kind of becomes automated within my life, the more that I enjoy it. It kind of becomes like a, a flow state activity. If I'm uh, meal prepping or um, I'm prepping my clothes for the next morning's workout, it, it's just kind of uh, a, a meditative act. And it's something that really, as much as it's going to benefit us physically, Ultimately, the preparation is something that becomes uh, a mental benefit as well. Um, I love that, Austin. Um, I just want to comment on that just really quickly because you're totally right about that. And I think I take that for granted as a human. Like I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty organized in my life or I'll say I'm, I'm very organized in my life. And that just is something that maybe I take for granted. But you have to have your process down and take a look Um take a look at your training schedule before the day of. <laughs> um, I definitely have athletes who will reach out saying, oh, I just looked at my schedule for today. And, and that's fine if that's how you want to train, but you're really giving yourself room for failure um, if you're not preparing at least the night before for that workout. If not, starting at the beginning of the week, take a look at what you have going on figure out where you want to run and how you're going to run and what you're going to need to bring with you to set you up for success and what time you need to wake up in the morning to make sure you can get your run in and do all the other things that you want to accomplish during the day. Yeah. 
I saw um, a post earlier this week on Instagram and it was, it really hit the nail on the head with, you know, the importance of preparation and habit and these practices that we can put in place. It discussed how, you know, when we show up to work and we have an entire meal prepped and we have snacks and, and we have our, you know, like you're talking about noon tablets that we're going to put in our water so that we have electrolytes. That makes us look different from the people that we're around. And we are too conditioned in society to believe that different is bad. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. We are expecting as athletes, as runners, as anyone who wants to take your life to the next level, you are going to need to be different. You're going to need to stand out. And we need to flip the perspective that different is bad. You should be different because you are expecting more out of yourself than other people are expecting out of themselves. So let's flip that. Let's be different. Let's overly prepare. Let's just go all in on what we want. And if other people aren't willing to do that, that's fine. Take the lead. Set the standard. You create the standard for yourself. We need to stop looking at the standards of other people and the standards of society and believing that that is enough. Be different, be bold, be brave. Love it. Absolutely. The other thing that I wrote down as you were talking um, was feedback signals. This is something that I've gotten a little bit better at as an athlete over time. And it's just looking at what is my body telling me? I think that it's really easy for us to judge the feedback signals that our body is giving us. So maybe I, I, this is a really good example. I woke up very tired Monday and Tuesday of this week. We had just traveled from Mesa um, on Sunday. We were there on, on the trip. Obviously we, we woke up early. Basically every day we were there, we were up at 3 AM on the marathon day. We were up by five on our travel day back home it was okay to be tired. It's okay that I was tired. And I accepted that on Monday and Tuesday morning. I adjusted the way that I trained to fit the fact that I was tired. And in the past, I think that I would have judged that feedback signal. I would have said, why are you so tired? You didn't even do that much. You need to get over it. And I think that a lot of us fall into that. And if we can become better at viewing that as kind of like a data point for analysis. Like, okay, I feel this way. Why do I feel this way? Look at potentially um, what has happened to make you feel tired, to make you feel run down. Um, And then adjust accordingly. What can I implement to make myself feel better? And then the next time that a situation comes up like that, maybe you're a little bit more prepared for the situation because you've learned from the experience. I think that it's really easy to judge our feedback signals, but if we can flip that and we can begin to recognize and adjust in accordance with what our body's telling us, as opposed to judging it or viewing it as, you know, just us not being enough in that moment, um, then that's going to really help us to recover and become stronger mentally and physically. I agree. I totally agree. I hit a fatigue wall on Wednesday and my first thought was, no, you have so much more that you need to do today. You can't, (laughs) you can't rest now. (laughs) Um, But that quickly changed to girlfriend, you just ran a marathon and you've had some really, really like early mornings, not a lot of sleep, Um, I was up before 3am on marathon morning and I typically don't sleep well after running a marathon for, I don't know, up to a week. It's, it's really bizarre, but anyways, allowing yourself grace around that and knowing that, you know, if you are tired to honor your body and also you can also like reassess how you're recovering and what you're doing to just make sure that you're setting yourself up for success while giving yourself grace. Yeah. And, and the final point that I will um, kind of discuss, I think it'll carry us right into sleep. 
um, is a lot of the recovery practices that you were discussing uh, were actually, you know, in aid of inflammation. Um, I think that inflammation, we probably all know what it feels like to have inflammation in specific areas of our body. Um, I think it's simply a stress response. Now, as athletes who are looking to make fitness gains, um, stress is good. Stress is something that we are seeking within our workouts because when we're stressing specific systems, it's like when you lift weights. Um, If you're stressing a muscle, you're breaking it down so that it can be built back up. But the thing is, if we forget the process that builds the muscle back up, which is the recovery, then all we have is a broken down muscle. And that's where inflammation um, kind of lingers and it sticks around into our next workouts. And then I've noticed inflammation beyond simply, um, you know, being produced from, from physical things. I get inflamed in specific areas if I'm mentally stressed. And I'm sure everyone can relate to that. It's like, oh, my upper back's tight. My lower back is inflamed. This is a stress response. It doesn't care um, if you have a big workout tomorrow. It doesn't care, you know, what you have to do at work. All it knows is that I am being stressed too much. We're running out of fuel. I'm sending you feedback signals and you need to do something about it or it's only going to get worse. And your performance um, is going to be at at a detriment because of it. So I, I noticed when you were talking about foam rolling, Um, Epsom salt baths, you know, this is all practices that we can put in place to kind of aid that inflammation. Like I said, the inflammation, the stress response, it's going to come with the territory of purposely stressing our bodies to grow. But we have to have those practices in place to be able to manage and to be able to, you know, aid in the recovery so that we're not just breaking down we are building back up. Absolutely. Stress plus rest equals adaptation. Yeah. So applying the stress, applying the rest and seeing yourself grow from it. Absolutely. You also get to be in tuned with your body and what's happening to your body as you're going through training, what is feeling inflamed, what is feeling tight, where are the niggles and making sure you're tuning into all of that. Yeah, so I think that we can talk about the most important um, way to rest and recover, and and that's sleep, right? Um, I know it's something that we probably all struggle with. It's so easy to find a reason to not sleep. Like we have something that we haven't been able to get done. We say it's more important to, you know, connect with, with my wife or my girlfriend, my significant other. And, you know, watch an episode of TV, I'll sleep later. The connection's more important. And obviously, there's situations where we're going to lose sleep. However, we have to prioritize it potentially above all else. So, you know, I'll get started with how I've kind of gotten better in this area. And then, Sarah, you can build from there. Uh, For me, it's about routine, (laughs) a nighttime routine a morning routine. They're extremely important pieces to me getting not only enough sleep, but also a high quality of sleep. My main focus, in addition to the quantity, I can't say that my quantity of sleep is anything spectacular, but I can say that what I do try to really focus on is a consistent bed. So like the time that you're going to sleep every night, let's say 10 p.m., and then a consistent wake time. So let's say it's 10 p.m., you're, you're falling asleep, not 10 p.m., I'm starting my bedtime routine, I'm turning off the TV. 10 p.m., I have been in bed for a few minutes, I'm falling asleep, and then 6 a.m., I'm waking up, my feet are hitting the ground, and I'm beginning this routine that I embrace every single morning. If we do that, that's not only eight hours of sleep, 
but that's also eight hours of really high quality sleep. And it's eight hours that your body knows every single day I sleep from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. When your body begins to register that as a consistent routine, that's going to raise your quality of sleep and recovery within those eight hours. Um, so that's an area that I've really tried to focus uh, in the past few months. Like I said, the, the quantity mm -hmm. is not always there. But the number one thing I can do is go to bed within the same 30 minutes every single night. And then I try to keep the wake time uh, pretty similar as well. And I found it's really a lot easier to wake up and feel ready to go in the day um, if I keep that pretty consistent. Sarah, what have you been doing uh, to really have high quality sleep? I love that. I think, you know, having a system, having a routine is super, super important in training. I think I mentioned this on an earlier episode, or maybe it was in uh, a social media post, but I talked about um, doing everything that you mentioned in taper, but turning the alarm clock off in the morning, because I have the flexibility with what I do every day that I don't typically need to be up. Like sometimes I have coaching calls that start at 7am, but um, I don't typically need to be up and working. So especially the week of the race, I was letting my alarm go um, and letting my body just naturally wake up, which I think is a really important thing to do the week of race week, let your body sleep as much as it needs. So you're set up for success. Or if you wake up at 1am on race morning, like someone did last weekend, you know, you're feeling okay and you can still push through. Um, but some ideas that I love around, you know, what I do every night, it's very, very similar to you, Austin, in terms of, um, I have a bedtime reminder that goes off on my phone, which is 30 minutes before I want to be in bed. And, um, I start to dim the lights and I'm actually, so I'm an introverted extrovert and introverts love darker spaces. So typically at night anyways, like my place is pretty dim and I love that. And I think it just starts to like, let your body fall into that routine of getting sleepy and, you know, sh starting to slow things down. I love that. Um, I also play meditation music as I'm getting ready for bed and when I start to sleep. So I have a timer set on Spotify to turn off after 60 minutes. There's no rhyme or reason for the 60 minutes other than that in my mind, it's kind of a round number of like an hour. I always, I shouldn't say always 99% of the time I fall asleep for it. And it's never been a problem of, you know, I, I don't wake up with it still playing. Um, my dog also loves it. So it's a win-win and, um, also reducing your caffeine intake earlier in the day. So you set yourself up for success. So whether your bedtime is at nine, 10, 11, based on what time you wake up in the morning, you're still getting that eight hours of sleep, which is just super critical for humans. I think we'd all be a little bit happier if we had that eight hours, even the people that say that they can get five or six hours of sleep and they feel fine. I would challenge you to sleep eight hours for a week and see how you really feel. Um, it just feels really good. And um, just, you know, setting yourself up for success. I know a lot of people will exercise later in the day too. And if you're one of those people that find themselves like needing to do their training runs or their workouts after work, or maybe it's after your kids go to bed, like that can be really tough to really like get your body into a groove to set yourself up for success for good sleep. So um, exercising as earlier or as early in the day as possible is ideal. And if you can't trying to cool your body down after the workout by maybe taking a colder shower or, you know, not jumping on your phone, turning off the electronics, that's also a big piece that everyone can kind of do. Um, but just getting your mind and body into that routine of knowing what it needs to do every night to be successful. I've shifted athletes who've had poor, poor, poor sleep into getting the eight hours and like hearing just how much happier they are in life. Um, 
is really, really special. So if anyone is struggling with sleep, highly recommend all the things that I mentioned, creating the routine and getting it dialed in because sleep is first and foremost and just makes you not only a happy human, but a happy athlete. I really love embracing environment. Now, I, I think um, it's, it, it's extremely easy for, for me to embrace the environment of a workout. Um, and that may be the way that some of our listeners are. It's like, okay, it's time for a big workout um, or it's time to really get some things done in my day. And you really embrace uh, that energy that you get from that. But I think if we can embrace the environment of kind of toning it down and having rest and recovery, and if we can build an environment that helps to prepare us each evening for really quality sleep, um, that is something that's going to go a really long way. And you'll really find enjoyment of it um, when you make it a habit. Like, like you said, turn the lights down. Um, I'm a big candle guy. <laughs> so uh, light a candle, have the lights off and, and maybe, um, you know, beyond the candlelight, there's not much light in your environment at that time. Um, I like reading a book before bed. I find mm -hmm. that it kind of, you know, shuts my mind down beyond the words on the page. So it really helps me to focus on on what I'm reading. But all the other stuff, all the other noise that's in my mind kind of fades away. Um, and that puts me in a really um, good place to get good sleep. So I, I just think if we can embrace the environment, um, and, and like we've continued to stress, prepare that environment, make sure that it's not something, um, that takes too much work, make it things that you enjoy. Um, and you, you know, just, you know, ditch the phone for a little bit. Like we don't need our phone beyond a certain time of the, of the day. Um, or at least we don't need to be scrolling on social media. And I think that when we can find that, that, quiet place um, each evening and and we're not really worried about what's going on outside of our house or outside of our apartment um, and we just have those few moments um, before we try to go to sleep it's going to help you not only fall asleep faster you're going to have greater quality of sleep and I've found that a greater quality of sleep makes it a ton easier to wake up in the morning, which I think that we all hate the feeling of waking up feeling groggy in the morning. Um, if you want to avoid that feeling, start with what you're doing the night before. Absolutely. I love that. I said availability hours for my athletes at the beginning of the year saying, you know, if you reach out to me over text, um, I'm only, I'm available during these hours. And after these hours, I'll get back to you the next morning. And I've also been practicing that and it's a work in progress with my personal life of, you know, putting the phone on silent, putting it on focus mode or putting it on sleep hours, starting at a certain time and then just shutting it down and knowing that it's okay. That, like if there is a true emergency, the people who need to get a hold of you will get a hold of you and taking time for yourself and honoring your body and getting in great sleep. Yeah. Um, one, one kind of analogy I, I want to use, cause I know, um, Sarah, you and I use Garmin and I'm sure, um, some of our listeners use Garmin as well. When you scroll on the Garmin connect app, you see body battery, right? Um, and I think that, you know, we can look at some of that, that data and, um, you can kind of take it with a grain of salt every once in a while, but I think it's an interesting, um, concept to have in our minds. Like there is a battery to our daily lives. We only have so much energy to give. And if you feel like that battery is becoming drained, whether it be through your energy levels, through some of the stress responses that your body's giving you as feedback signals, it's probably because your battery is getting pretty low and you need to recharge it. So find the things that help you to recharge your battery on a daily basis, make it habit, and also, like, we've thrown a lot of ideas out there today. Don't feel like you have to implement everything. We certainly don't implement everything 100% of the time. Keep it as simple as possible. Find enjoyment in those simple acts and just embrace them and, and what they do for your body.
Yeah. Set yourself up for success. Um, don't overcommit to what you can do. Try one thing. And then when you have that one thing dialed in and mastered, add a second thing, add a third thing. It's the same way that I coach. I will never give an athlete more training runs than they want. I'll meet them where they're at and we will progressively like add in intensity and miles. Um, so it doesn't seem so overwhelming at once. Cause I think, and know like one of the easiest ways to set yourself up to fail or to not be consistent is to overcommit to something um, because you have the anxiety and the time around doing it. So pick one or two things and build from there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's really, you know, as, as a community invest in this idea of recovery um, because like you said, Sarah, you know, we can, we can all probably survive on a daily basis on five or six hours of sleep, but, but what does that look like after we've given that initial effort? Like I know if I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, I can probably have a decent workout, but then, you know, if I have to go to work, it gets to mid afternoon. I still have some things that I want to accomplish. I, I am just quickly falling apart and I'm really like craving the end of the day. Um, but if we really prioritize that recovery uh, and we go into our day with a full body battery, we're fully charged, um, we, can, we can string together some really high quality hours. And that's, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for higher quality. We're not looking for how much work we can do. We want to see um, how great of work we can do. Uh, and the, the quality of your work is going to get a lot better the more that you focus on your recovery and you listen to your body. Agree. Love it. So we'll wrap it there. Um, I think we had a really good conversation on this today. I think it's a great place um, for us to talk about it with you in your marathon recovery, Sarah, um, with me going into a build for a marathon in the spring. I know recovery is going to be a big thing for, me hopefully achieving uh, the goals that I have. And then for our listeners, I mean, life gets busy, life gets stressful. Um, prioritize yourself. And when you prioritize yourself, you can really invest in the things that matter to you in your life. Um, Sarah, you want to send us out today? Yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for listening today. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Sarah, S-A-Y-R-A-H, runs happy or at Elevate Your Running. We also have an email address, Elevate Your Running Podcast at gmail.com. Love to hear the good, the bad, um, all the things, all the feedback. Rate and subscribe. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Yep. You can connect with me on social media at Austin Myers 12. Any other information you need will be in our show notes today. Thank you so much for listening. Please definitely reach out to us if you enjoyed this or any of the past episodes. Uh, we appreciate you all more than you know. We love the opportunity to build this community, and we're going to keep investing in that community. Everyone have a great week. Have a great week.